0: Thank you for joining us on our Living Word Christian Center podcast. You're about to listen to one of our guest speakers. Open up your hearts and get ready to receive a word from the Lord. Living Word Arizona, come on, we're all moving together, amen, and uh, doing what we gotta do, come on. So we're, we're excited about it, and we're, we're thankful for the Mother Church, we're thankful for the prayer and the support, and all of it. We're just very thankful. So praise God. And, um, I I just have something to share with you tonight and something God put on my heart. Um, when I woke up on December 31st, amen, God spoke to me and I just want to share with you. Go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter nine. Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 through 38. Verse verse 36 says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. So Jesus looks out over the multitudes and he was moved with compassion because they fainted. They were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. He says, pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Father, we ask you, Lord, to speak to us tonight, God. Have your way in this place, God. We need you, Lord. We need your touch. Move in this place, God. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. He's the Lord of the harvest. God is concerned about the harvest. His heart beats for the harvest. There's so many people that are lost, that are scattered, that are faint as sheep having no shepherd. And, and, Jesus is, he's describing here and he says to pray to the Lord of the harvest. That one man would plant and one man would water, but it's the Lord himself that is so concerned with the harvest that he alone oversees the increase. It's him that maintains, that watches, and that brings about. He lords over the increase of the harvest. And, and, and when we think about we have to understand that the harvest is plenteous. The harvest is there. The lost are there. It's the laborers that are few. That God is doing His part. That there, there's people that are ready. There's hearts that are ready. There's seeds that are planted. There's seeds that are watering. And God wants to bring the increase. It's the laborers that are few. Those that will actually shepherd the harvest and watch over what God is doing and and plow and plant and and work. That the, the laborers are few. Luke chapter 9 verse 62 it says that no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. If, if you, uh, you the, the Lord spoke to me uh, on December 31st and this is what he said. I was tired. We were in the middle. I mean we just did event after event. Come on somebody. We push. Come on. We're plowing. Amen. And I woke up tired and we were having service at my house on, on uh, New Year's morning and, and we were, you know, we're, we're pioneering. Come on somebody. And and we're we're out there and I wake up tired and the Lord told me no more show horses. It's time for the oxen to plow. So I was just like, come on, somebody. So I said, okay, Lord, what, is, what does this mean? And, and the Lord said, he began to speak. If, if you want to parade around the pasture like a show horse, go right ahead. But 2024 is the time for the oxen who want to plow in the fields of revival and see the harvest that God has called us to. Are you with me tonight? The Bible says that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Come on. It doesn't say that the show-offs are few. Come on. It doesn't say that those who want attention are few. It doesn't say that those who are searching for a platform are few. Come on, somebody. It doesn't say those who are looking for a position or or a title are few. It says the laborers are few. The ones who are willing, actually willing to tread out in the fields of revival, those are the few. The ones who are willing to plant seeds, those are few. The ones who are willing to rise up and and move forward and put their hand to the plow. The ones who are willing to give all for the harvest. The laborers a few. We, we need the few to rise in 2024 and be counted to put your hand to the plow, worker of the field of God, and establish the kingdom. No one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. We're in the field of the harvest right now. And we need to have a readiness to work. There there are souls that are laying in the balance. So we'll start this off. I'll quickly, I'm going to go through. I just want to identify the characteristics of a show horse. (laughs) Look Look at Deuteronomy 22. Look what Deuteronomy 22 says. Deuteronomy 22, verse 10 says, you shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. Come on, somebody. You cannot plow with a, the King James Version says it a little different. Come on, we ain't going to go there. But we'll say you can't plow with an ox and a show horse together. So I'm going to give you some characteristics of a show horse. Are you ready? Come on. First one, high maintenance. Show horses often require extensive grooming and care, which is uh, it can seem overly demanding, come on somebody, and costly. The high maintenance show horse parading around the pasture but ain't getting nothing done. Oh, come on somebody. You know, we could talk about high maintenance and what all that is, but you know what I'm talking about. Okay, number two characteristic of a show horse is they're temperamental. Show horses can be sensitive and moody, making them difficult to manage, especially under high pressure conditions or competitions. They're temperamental. I don't know if you've ever seen anybody get kicked in the face by a temperamental horse, but that don't look pretty. Come on, somebody. And you're trying to wrangle somebody and you're trying to get someone into their destiny and and get them to actually work and and plow and and create momentum in the things of God. But they're high maintenance and they're temperamental. You don't know which person is going to show up today. Come on now. And you got to tiptoe around individuals in order to get anything possibly done because they want to spend their time seeking attention and parading around the pasture. Are you with me tonight? Come on, somebody. Number three characteristic of a show horse is they're unpredictable. In high-stress environments, show horses can behave unpredictably, posing challenges for handlers and riders. This reflects a susceptibility to external pressures and an inability to thrive in less than ideal conditions. They're unpredictable. You don't know how they're going to handle the pressure of the plow. They have to have everything just right to fit their high-maintenance, temperamental, and unpredictable nature because they just want to parade around in the limelight of ministry while others are getting down in brokenness and actually plowing and getting stuff done. Are you with me tonight? Hey, come on. We're we're moving. Come on, somebody. I'll get through these five and then we'll be nice. Come on. Maybe. I don't know what's going to happen. Come on. Number four characteristic of a show horse is limited versatility. While show horses are skilled in their specific disciplines, they may not be as versatile or adaptable to different tasks as other horses. This may be uh, to individuals who excel in certain controlled, comfortable environments but struggle to adapt to new or challenging situations. There's limited versatility. You, you want to do what's, you know, what keeps you in your comfort zone you're willing to do. Come on, somebody. But the minute the Lord starts to pull you out of your comfort zone there, all of a sudden the high-maintenance, temperamental, unpredictable, come on, limited versatility, attributes of your life start to kick in because it's more comfortable to parade around the pasture and look good. Come on, somebody, and just look pretty and look like you got it all together. But deep down, come on, there's nothing that's putting your hand to the plow and actually getting the work of the ministry done. And then number five, competitive rather than collaborative. Competitive rather than collaborative. Show horses don't usually work in teams. They compete. The competitive nature of a show horse. It shows that it fosters a mindset focused on winning and outperforming others rather than collaboration or teamwork. This can be seen as a preference for personal achievement over collective goals or community well being. You cannot plow with an ox and a show horse together. Are you with me tonight? We've got to understand how important that the harvest is so important to God. You know, we're in the last days, every soul counts, every soul matters. The harvest is so important that he even he sent his son. He sent his best to redeem the harvest. And now Jesus says he's the Lord of the harvest. He's, he's so concerned about the harvest. He's so concerned about souls. And sometimes it seems like we've lost a, a, our, our broken hearts for the lost, our burden for the lost. We're just watching the world burn and we, we're just kind of in a, in a pasture parading around like a show horse. The lights and the smoke and the sound and all of it, it's a show. It's parading around. But I've asked the Lord to just reignite my passion, reignite, God, a burden for the lost, God. Reignite a burden, God, for the plow. Reignite a burden, God, to get in and to win souls and one-on-one lead people to Jesus, lead people to the cross. Let them know that Jesus is coming. You've got to reinvest in the plow. We got to reinvest in the in the in the harvest field. We got to get we got to get our hands to the plow. And I know I'm talking to first of all I know I'm, tonight I'm talking to a powerful church. I'm I'm talking to the mother church. I know where I'm at. I know what, what has been instilled and imparted into my life right here in this church. Right here, it's a heart for the lost. It's a heart for the plow. But sometimes even though we're a part of something beautiful, we can start to parade around individually and begin to separate ourselves from the people that are plowing and begin to parade around the pasture. We can find ourselves just because we look good and we, you know, you dress dressed right and you smell good and all this stuff and, and you're in church and you're consistent and you're there. But it's a comfort zone because you know there's more in you that you could be pouring out. Look at Proverbs chapter fourteen, verse four. Proverbs fourteen, four. It says, Where no oxen are, the trough is clean, but much increase comes by the strength of an ox where there's no oxen it's gonna be clean come on somebody you ever seen you know an ox imagine feeding that and cleaning up after that every day And when we actually start to plow and we actually start to get in, it's, it's not necessarily the cleanest thing. Come on, somebody. We get in and there's, it's muddy and we're plowing and it's, there's rough terrain at times. There's, there we, we run into rocks in the ground. There's different things, different all this stuff. And it can get muddy and it can get hard. But, but with much increase comes by the strength of the ox. So I want to give you five thoughts on what it means to plow. First of all, we plow with purpose. We plow with purpose. In Luke chapter 9, verses 57 to 62, it says that no one that puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom we're here to work for a harvest not for a show we keep our eyes on the goal we, we spread we're, we're spreading the gospel we're, we're planting seed we're watering seed and we're watching god bring the increase and and it's going to take the oxen not the show horse it's it's going to take those that are willing to get down in the mud with people and 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 deal with their problems and deal with their situations come on and, and get down into the dirt of what's going on and actually pull them out and, and begin to plan and begin to to see God bring the increase. It's a purpose behind the plow. Come on, somebody. It's not in vain when when we put our hand to the plow. It's not in vain when we put our hand to it and we begin to move forward. We've got to plow with purpose. You can imagine how it must, you know, when, when someone's actually, I've never worked a plow with an ox before in, 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 you know, in real life. Come on, somebody. But you can imagine how focused they have to be in order to keep those lines straight in order to keep it straight they have to they have to know that there's a purpose in it because uh you know even pastor was talking earlier and he was saying that you know when you go to a raw land and there's there's nothing there and it's, it could be desert land or dry land and and rocks and stubble and all of these different things in that field and then to to have the vision and the foresight to say I can work with this There's something here, and there's a purpose to the plow. There's a purpose. God has a purpose for your life, and that purpose is souls. Number two is we plow with persistence. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 4. Proverbs 20, verse 4. It says, The lazy man will not plow because of seasons. He will beg during harvest and have nothing. We plow with persistence. The work isn't always easy and the soil can be tough. But remember, we're called to be steadfast and unwavering. As we cultivate hearts and minds. You know, I called pastor earlier this year. You know, I was just like, pastor, how do I do this? You know, how do I just trying to get direction on staying right, staying corrected, staying under the covering. And he said, you're plowing. You're pioneering. He goes, imagine someone with a plow, and they're plowing, and then they hit a rock. They don't stop plowing because of that rock. They grab the rock, and they move it, and then they keep going. They stay persistent. They stay persistent. I'll read the scripture again. It says, the lazy man will not plow because of seasons. It's winter. Oh, I can't plow because of winter. It's just really a bad time in my life right now to be that faithful to church. I'm too tired to go to outreach. I got this going on and that going on. But we have to be persistent with the plow. Come on somebody. Number 3, to plow with patience. 1 Corinthians 15:58. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. It says, "Therefore, my beloved brethren, Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So patience is key. Growth takes time. Don't rush the process. Trust in God's timing and know that every seed planted will bear fruit in its season. He's the Lord of the harvest. We just have to be patient. Look at what the scripture says. It says, be steadfast and immovable. Steadfast means that you're sure-footed. And then immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. See because if you're if you're plowing with a purpose and persistence and you're you're dedicated to keeping that straight line and you know the importance of keeping that straight line in order to to benefit in the harvest time everything that you do is preparation for the harvest then the enemy wants to just get you just a little bit to where you're just you're not all the way off you're not all the way backslid come on but your line is getting crooked. There's no steadfastness to your plow. Oh, come on somebody. It's just just enough to get you double-minded. Just enough to have a divided heart. Just enough to where there's no it's it's not a sure straight plow. But the line is just off a little. And that 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 little bit of movement affects the whole harvest. Because there's people that we're called to reach. There's stuff that we're, we're called to do as part of our vision of reaching, teaching, mending, and sending. And we've got to have that line straight. Come on, somebody. We've got to have it right there, right, straight ahead. Come on. And, and stay focused. I'm plying with purpose. I'm plying with persistence. And then I'm having patience knowing that I've got to keep, I've got to stay focused on what I'm doing in order to keep it right. God will put people in your life to keep, you know, keep us on the straight, straight and narrow. I came out here this week. Uh, uh, the Lord told me to come out here. I was not expecting to preach or anything like that. I came out here to receive and get rebuked and corrected, whatever needed to happen, so I can make sure I enter 2024 with our church plowing straight. Straight. Number four is to plow with passion. To plow with passion. Galatians Chapter Six Galatians Chapter Six Verse Seven It says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And we have to plow with passion. We have to plow with, with a passion. There, there's got to be a passion about what we're doing. Come on, somebody. We've got to have a passion for souls. We've got to have a passion for the things of God. We have a, a passion for, for ministry, a passion to reach out, a passion to do all. Because it, why do it all humdrum? Come on, somebody. Why do it with the you know a sour face? Come on, somebody. Why not plow with passion? Why not do what we're doing with a sense of urgency? And, and that's one of the things God's been doing with me is re, reestablishing urgency in what we're doing. Not just doing it, not just go through the motions, not just parade around. Come on, somebody, but have an urgency and have a purpose and have a design and have a, a plan and a strategy that's laid out and then be passionate about that and, and and want and, and push with everything we've got to make it happen. I hate to break it to you like this, but it's not gonna get any easier out here. Come on, somebody. It's not gonna get any easier. It's not gonna get any softer. Come on, somebody. It's not gonna ease up. Nothing like that's gonna happen. What's happening, though, is the body of Christ is being strengthened. The oxen are being prepared. Come on, the strength of the ox is where much increase is. And the God is raising an army that is ready. Come on, that, that's strong, that's focused, that's determined, that's passionate, that's, that's plowing with purpose, that's plowing with persistence, and plowing with patience, and, and has a passion about what we're doing. God is raising the oxen. God is raising the oxen. The show horses are going to be falling, come on, by the wayside. Come on, somebody. The show horses, there's no more room for the show horses and the things of God. There's no more room for any of that stuff. The the people that are fixed and focused on plowing and pushing forward and advancing the kingdom of God, God is making room for the oxen to get down into the mud of the ministry. Come on and begin to move in the anointing. Begin to move in the power and say, enough is enough, devil. You've taken too many. There's too many people that are out there dying. Too many people that are thinking they can backslide one more time and then they die. And our hearts don't even burn or break for that. Hosea chapter 10. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. Hosea ten twelve. Jesse, do you have Hosea ten twelve? Can you read that real loud? Hosea ten twelve. Got it here. It's okay. Ten, twelve. Hosea 10-12. I beat your iPhone, bro. Hello. Okay. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Verse 13, you have plowed wickedness, and you have reaped iniquity. You have eaten the fruit of lies because you trusted in your own way, in the multitude of your mighty men. Therefore tumult shall arise among your people, and, your for- and all your fortress shall be plundered. It says, so for yourselves righteousness Reap in mercy and break up your fallow ground for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Number five is to plow with prayer. We've got to plow in prayer. We've got to plow in prayer. We've got to seek the face of God. We've got to be broken before God. We got to be broken for souls. We've got to sow tears into the soil of what we're doing. We've got to get down and begin to just have a broken heart. Be have a broken heart for the things of things of God and the people that are out there that are lost. And I've been asking God, like restore to me, God, tears. I I, I want to just break. I want to be broken before you, God. I don't want to just do. I don't want to just par- be okay with parading around the pasture, just man, looking like ministry. Social media makes it easy to do that. You just parade around, make it look like something that it's not. Come on, the churches that are catfishing. Come on, somebody. The show horse. Social media is perfect for show horses. But what work are you putting in? Where is your disciples? Who who have you led to the Lord? Who have you, in the past six months, have you led one person to Jesus, one-on-one? Are you is your hand to the plow for people or is your or, or is your mind set on making a show to to you know just give yourself a platform? And unless we can we can plow with purpose and we can plow with patience and we can plow with passion and and persistence but if we're not praying it doesn't matter. We won't have the heart of God for the harvest. He's the Lord of the harvest. We need his heart for the harvest. We've got to see it how he sees it. How could he look at the harvest? How could he look at the world and be willing to give his only son, be willing to lay everything down for that harvest, and we don't even give half of our life to it? We're half in and half out on something that God was all in on. He gave everything, and we hold back we hold back places of our life and we hold back places of our heart and we we hold on to sin and all these secret things and issues and pains and offenses and hurts and all of these things and, and we're not praying to the Lord of the harvest. God, I just want to pray to the Lord of the harvest. I want your heart for the harvest, God. I want to I plow, God, with purpose and, and plow with persistence and plow with patience and passion. But more than that, I want to get to know you in prayer, God, and show me your heart, God. Look at this scripture. Pastor Reuben showed me this scripture. It's Psalms 92, verse 10, it says, But my horn you have exalted like a wild ox. And I have been anointed with fresh oil. My horn you have exalted like a wild ox, and I've been anointed with fresh oil. God, I pray for a fresh anointing, God, a fresh oil, God, a fresh purpose, a fresh perspective for the harvest, God. Lord, that we see many souls in Arizona, God, that we see many souls in California, that we see a church in every every state of the United States, God, that we continue, God, from there, God, that to reach the world, God, and to, to have those workers in the harvest field, to have those that say, send me, get me out of my comfort zone. I want to go. It's not reaching, teaching, mending, and then keeping you. It's reaching, teaching, mending, and sending. It's getting us out into the harvest and, and putting our hands to the plow come on you're a part of a big vision we've got to put our hands to the plow in 2024 and work the fields of revival with purpose persistence patience passion Jesus said the harvest is plentiful the laborers are few the laborers are few I remember in Stockton, California, we had this little church. It was on California Street. And on one side of this little church storefront building was a bar. And on the other side was an adult store, I guess is a nice way you can say it. So you'd have these people that would go from the bar to that store, to the bar, to that store. And here we are having church right in the middle. And there was this guy. His name was Brian. And he had a, he's a like six foot nine, big, crazy white boy, man. Big old eagle tattooed on his chest. And he'd walk down the street like that, you know. And no one would talk to him. And. You know, I was 18, barely saved myself. And he would walk down the street and people would cross to the other side of the street to get away from this guy. So I stayed there and I, I said, hey, bro, Jesus loves you. And he cussed me out, cussed me out, and kept walking. And the other day, another time I saw him, he he saw me and he went across the street to the other side of the street. So I walked over there. I go, hey, bro, you can't get away from me, man. I love you. Jesus loves you, man. And he just got mad and he kept walking. And and every time I would see him, he walked by me. And I'd say the same thing. Jesus loves you, man. God bless you. One day he came up and he just shook my hand. He didn't say anything. He just shook my hand and he kept walking. Crazy guy, man. But he was showing me, like, I guess that I've earned his respect, I think. And so then he came. This is months later. And he said, you guys have a home. I'd like to come in the home. And I said, well, yeah, we do. Come on, but you, you got to act right. You know, you got to act right. Well, first night he was there, he wound up getting in a big fight and tearing up his room, doing all this stuff. So they had to throw him out. He was crazy, and he said he locked himself in a room. He said, I only want to talk to Chris. I'm like, oh, okay, come on. Brother, what happened? You know, I'm talking to him, but I led him to Jesus. You know, I did lead him to Jesus. I, I, I led him to the Lord. Well, maybe six months after that, he uh, he was on a bus and he mouthed off to the wrong guy. And this guy, like, latched onto him and stabbed him like 13, 14 times. And he tried, after being stabbed that many times, he walked. And the path that he was walking, he made it onto California Street and he was on the path to get back to the church. And he died on that California Street. He bled out. And I always ask the Lord, like, did I do enough for that guy, Brian? Did I say the right things? Did I did I leave? like? There were so many. Like, there was a man from Gatterings. Literally. Did I do enough? And I, I just sometimes, being completely honest, feel like I, I lose sensitivity to the people that are out there lost and dying. And we have to understand that every soul, every person is important to God. That he's the Lord of the harvest. That every time we say, hey, Jesus loves you. God bless you. Hey, I love you. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. Every seed that we sow, someone else is going to water that. God gives the increase, but we've got to soak our plow with prayer. The, the, what does it say that you you've exalted my the my horn you've exalted like a wild ox. I, I've been anointed with fresh oil. And God, I pray that you pour fresh oil on the plow again, God. Pour oil, pour that anointing out, God. Give us a heart for people. Give us a heart for the lost. Don't let us get complacent. Don't let us parade around the pasture. It's a purpose. There's a reason, God. Give us a hunger for souls, God. A fresh hunger for the lost. Would you stand with me tonight? Thank you for letting me know. for letting me